before we make our declaration, please turn me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We're going to read about a man named Jabez in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. These are probably the only two scripture references that give us information about Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4 verse 9 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I have borne him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that you, your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. It's kind of interesting, you know, when Jabesh was born, his mother called him pain. His mother gave him a name which means sorrow. It's like somebody giving you a name and saying, you're a failure. You're a pain in the neck. Or you are whatever. Something that's totally negative. And that's what his mother named him. You know, and your friends may have named you names that may not necessarily be very pleasant. They may have called you sorrow. They may have called you whatever. But you know, here's the great thing about Jabez. It says he was more honorable than his brothers. He did not accept as a final verdict what his mother said about him. He stood up and he said, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to enlarge my territory. I want your hand to be on me. And I want you to make sure that I do not cause pain. My mother said, I'm a pain. But I'm praying that you will make sure that I do not cause pain. And the Bible says, God answered his prayer. Amen. You know, I want to encourage you this morning. Follow the example of Jabez. Dare to stand up against the negatives of your past. And dare to say with God, I'm going to reverse it. Don't allow the negatives of your past to affect your present or destroy your future. Amen? Understand that with God, you have a new identity. The Bible says because you're in Christ, you're a new creation Old things have passed away. The old has gone. You are, you are not what you used to be. You are who you are in Christ. Or let me put it this way. Who you are in Christ is who you really are. That's your identity. In Christ you are blessed. In Christ you are the righteousness of God. In Christ you are more than a conqueror. In Christ God always causes you to triumph. In Christ you are a world overcomer. Amen. Dare to believe that and live by that. So let's stand up, uh, stand up together. Hold your Bibles high up in the air. Let's say what God has said about us instead of saying what others may have said about us. Instead of saying what your mom says about you or what your dad says about you. Well, I want to invite you to join me and say this. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God. 
a servant of Christ and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus name. Amen. Give a high five to somebody next to you. Give them a shake hand. Handshake whatever. You may be seated. We're doing a series of studying on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. If you, and we've put all of this in a nice little publication. If you do not have a copy of this publication, please raise your hand up. Our ushers will get you a copy right away. If there's anyone here who does not have a copy of this publication, Fulfilling God's Purpose for Your Life, please raise your hand up. Our ushers will get you a copy. We've, we began studying last Sunday on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Amen? He has places He wants you to go. He has people He wants you to meet. He has lives He wants you to touch. And He has things for you to do. You are not an accident waiting to happen. You are God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. Amen? So catch God's dream for your life. Because there is no higher purpose, there is no better satisfaction, and there is no greater adventure than living to fulfill God's plan for your life. Amen? God has a purpose for each one of us. We just, review, just want to quickly review what we talked about last Sunday. We said, I'm on page 2, we said that God has a plan. God is a God of plan, a purpose, of design, of objectives. God is a God of plan. He doesn't do things arbitrarily at random, at some women fancy, but fancy, but he has a plan and a purpose. God has a plan for this human race. We call it the master plan of God or the eternal plan or the eternal purpose of God, which he has for the entire human race, which he's unfolding for the entire human race. But God also has a specific plan for each one of us. God has a plan for every human being He created. You're not just one of the million or billion other people who rolled off God's human production factory. Amen. You are unique by design. God has a specific plan and a purpose and a destiny for you. God has a dream for your life. And we said this, that God's plan for us is always good. Now, God never plans things for our destruction. His plan for us is always good. God wants the best for you. We must cooperate with God to fulfill His plan. We must discover and pursue God's plan for our lives. God will prepare you to fulfill His plan and purpose. Page 8. We may make mistakes, but God can help us overcome our failures and help us complete His call on our lives. Satan will do his best to stop us from fulfilling God's purpose. He will try to distract us, but we must remain focused on God's call. And we must have endurance to finish the race. This morning we're going to look into chapter 2. And we're going to start, under, we're going to start discussing on how to recognize God's purpose for our life. Yes, we accept the fact that God has a dream. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for my life. But how do I find out 
What is God's plan for my life? How do I find out? How do I determine that? Will I get a special trip to heaven? A special seating with the Father in heaven? Where he'll hand me a blueprint and say, Here, this is my plan for you. Go do it. Or is there some other way that God is going to communicate his plan for my life? Or would he even, de- even bother to communicate what he has planned and designed for my life? We're going to cover eight, nine guideposts in the coming weeks to help us understand and discern the plan and purpose of God. And as we go through this, I really want you to think about this very seriously. And I want you to maybe even write down what you learn. And what, how you can relate this to your own life. As we go through each point, each one of these nine guideposts, I want you to think about it for your own life and say, well, I see this in my life. I see this in my life. And this is the direction that this guidepost is telling me to go towards. And I want you to spend that time to analyze, to think, and to examine your own life so that by the time we complete this, you should at least be in a position where you have a general sense of direction and say, I believe this is where God is taking me in life. We're going to cover this over the several weeks. Now, this morning, first of all, I want us to establish the fact that we can know God's will. Amen? So tell your neighbor, i got news for you. You can know God's will. You know, so many people think that God works in such mysterious ways His wonders to perform, which is true. There are times when God works in ways outside of human comprehension. And therefore, they make that statement and then they sit back and say, Therefore, I can never understand the will of God. But that is not scriptural. That is not biblical. Because if you're going to see from the word of God, that you can know the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 through 17. Verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise. So the neighbor, don't be unwise. Now it's don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 17 says, Understand what the will of of the Lord is. So let me ask you. If the Bible tells you to understand what the will of the Lord is. Does it mean that the will of the Lord can be understood? Let me hear you. Yes, yes or no? Yes. How many want to vote? <laughs> if the Bible says understand what the will of the Lord is. It means that the will of the Lord can be understood. Amen. So we can't sit around and say, well, I don't know what God's up to. Excuse me, the Bible says you have to understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord can be understood. You can know for sure what God's will is for your life. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11, Paul is praying for the believers at Colossae. He says, for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you. And to ask you, now let me, before we get further into that prayer, Paul says, I'm praying for you. Let's take a guess. Do you think Paul expected his prayer to be answered? Yes or no? Okay, so Paul is praying, and we are safe to assume 
that he expects his prayer to be answered. Let's see what he's praying. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask, what? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So he's saying, I'm praying. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That means I want you to completely know, filled, completely know his will. See, you can pray that for yourself. God, I want to know your will. And expect that prayer to be answered. Paul wasn't just praying so that, you know, I'm supposed to pray something. No. He was praying because he expected that to be answered. So it is possible for believers, for God's people, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. But he continues and he says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So now there's the key. We need wisdom and spiritual understanding to be filled with the knowledge of his will. It takes wisdom and spiritual understanding to know his will. So over the next several weeks, we are going to impart to you wisdom and spiritual understanding as we study the word of God. So that you can be filled with the knowledge of His will. You're going to receive wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that you can be filled with the knowledge of His will. And then He continues there. See, once you are filled with the knowledge of His will, then these are the things that can happen. What? Verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. See, I, my walking worthy of the Lord in a way that's going to honor God is dependent on my knowing His will. Do you all agree? Yes or no? Because He says, I'm praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may, or so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. One. Secondly, that you may be well-pleasing to Him. So you want to be well-pleasing to the Lord? It's dependent on you knowing His will. Thirdly, that you might be fruitful in every good work. You want to be fruitful in every good work? Well, it's dependent on you knowing His will. So many of us are working, working, working and no fruit. And they're wondering, why no fruit? Well, maybe you need to start at the very beginning. You need to start from knowing His will. Because when you know His will, then He says, you will be fruitful in every good work. Amen? And then the fourth thing He says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it's like a full cycle. You know His will. You walk worthy of Him. You walk well-pleasing to Him. You're fruitful in every good work. And then you keep increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen? So knowing His will is so important. And the fact is, every believer can know the will of God for the his or her life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, page 11. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor yet heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You know, we like verse 9, we quote verse 9, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, heart has not understood. God's got some awesome things planned for you. Amen? 
And it's true. God's got some awesome things planned for you. But verse 10 says, God reveals them to us by His Spirit. So here it is. God, some awesome, God has some great things planned for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a dream for your life. And you can get that dream. You can know the purpose by His Spirit as He reveals it to you. You, don't have, you and I don't have to be in the dark about the plan and purpose of God for our lives. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? I mean, the question is, who knows what God's, you know, what God's plan is? But He didn't stop there. See, many Christians stop there. I wonder what God's up to now. He didn't stop there. He continued to say, but, everybody say, but, we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Nobody. Hey, but we are special people. We have the mind of Christ. Amen? That means we know the plans, the thoughts, and the purposes that He has. How is it possible? He just told us earlier that God reveals them to us by His Spirit. That's why we have the mind of Christ. Amen? So when somebody says, I wonder who knows the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him. You just complete the sentence and say, but I have the mind of Christ. Amen? I know the mind of Christ. Why? Because He reveals His plan, His purpose, for my life. So, in any given season of life, you can know the plan and purpose of God accurately, completely, and clearly. You don't need to grow up around like a blind man through life that's, you know, just wondering what God's going to do next. But you can understand the will of the Lord. You can be filled with the knowledge of, the, of His will. You can walk in the mind of Christ. Now, having established that, fa that fact, I now want us to understand this important truth that the unfolding of the revelation of God's plan for our life is progressive. Is progressive. Meaning, God is not going to necessarily tell you everything that's going to happen. He's not going to tell you what's going to happen for you 50 years from now. And incidentally, I don't really need to know what's going to happen 50 years from now. What I need to know is what is God's plan and purpose for my life in this season and what's coming up next so I can get myself ready for that. Amen? That's good enough for me. And if I have a general sense of very sick in me, hallelujah, that's good. And God works that way. He reveals His plan and purpose progressively. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. So when the Bible says the path of the righteous is like, it is, it is using a simile, a comparison. It doesn't mean you are the sun. It just means your path is like this thing. What is it? It says it's like the sun that's rising up. You know, when the sun rises up early, early in the morning, maybe when most of us are in are beginning to sleep or something. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen a sunrise in years, I just want you to know, the sun does rise somewhere around 
4.35 o'clock in the morning. But the sun rises and in the, you know, when the sun is about to rise, it's not so clear. There's some visibility. But not, everything's not so clear. But as the sun continues to rise, things become clearer and clearer until it reaches the midday, the perfect day, the zenith. And everything is absolutely clear. And so the Bible says, that's how our path is. Amen? So don't get so upset that you can't see everything so clearly. So, well, I can't see, but I'm going to be 35 years from now. Relax. The path of the just is like the shining sun. It is going to get brighter as you go down this path. Have that assurance. It's going to get brighter. Amen? Tell a neighbor, it's going to get brighter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, the great testimony of Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Interesting. His wife asked him, so Abraham, where are we off to today? He said, I don't know. I'm just going to a place that God's going to show me. Here's all I know. God called me. He told me to come out. He told me to get set on and move on a journey. And he said, he'll take me to a place. And when I get there, that's going to be the place of my inheritance. That's what I know. I'm acting on what I know. And as he stepped out on what he knew, God led him. Brought him to the place that he was going to give him, give to him as an inheritance. Amen. So that's how we walk by faith. It's not that God's going to give you every day of your life and write it down for you. And here's your 50 years, here's a book, please read the page one, uh, a page a day and do what it says. That's not the way it's going to happen. There are times when God is going to give you some instructions. Get out of your place, start moving, and I will take you to a place. And once you get there, that's going to be your inheritance. Okay, God, where is that place? Abraham, don't worry. Start the engine, get moving. But God, uh, how do I get there? Abraham, I'll, I will show you. Step on the gas. Amen. And so he just had to start obeying what God did tell him for that particular moment. In that moment, God said, get out, get going. He got up, started moving. And God eventually took him to the land he had for him as an inheritance. Genesis 24, verse 27, a great example of Eliezer, Abraham's servant. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He said, as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me. Abraham gave his servant Eliezer a big task, a big responsibility. He said, I want you to go and find a lady for my, for my son Isaac. So Eliezer, Eliezer was like, God, what do I do now? You know, in those days, they didn't have shadi.com. <laughs> no newspaper to advertise. No 400 magazine to look up. So it was really quite a challenge for him. So... He sets out. But here is his testimony. As I was on the way, the Lord 
led me. See, if we want the Lord to lead us, we got to be on the way. Amen? So tell your neighbor, get on the way. I mean, you got to start moving. But many of us just sit down and say, God, I want you to tell me everything and then I'll move. God says, please move, then I'll tell you. <laughs> Amen? We've got to move. I mean, when... Uh, my wife Amy and I, you know, we were there in Chicago. We were ready to come back to India. And we, did not sit, we didn't sit down and say, God, tell us everything. How we're going to start the church and how it's all going to work. And then we will buy our plane ticket and go to Bangalore. No. We packed up. Got everything ready. If you had asked me, where are you going to start the church? I'll say, I don't know. But I know I'm going to start the church. How many people are going to come the first Sunday? I say, I don't know, but we're going to start. People come or not come, we start. And so we had to start moving. We had to pack up bags, buy the plane ticket, get on the plane, land in Bangalore. And, and, and as you go about doing it, God's going to open things up for you. Nothing is going to happen. If you're going to be sitting down, waiting for God to come to you with this 120-page proposal for your life, it's not going to happen that way. He's going to tell you, get going, start this way. You start acting on it. And then He's going to unfold the rest of His plan and purpose for your life. But the good news is this, that in any season of your life, you can know for sure what God wants you to do. Amen. If you ask me, are you sure God is, that you're in the center of God's will? I'll say, I'm sure I'm in the center of God's will. I want to assure you, my dear congregation, I do not wake up any morning and wonder if I'm supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> I never do that. No second thoughts above this. I know I'm doing what God's called me to do. Amen. <laughs> no second thoughts. I know this is his plan. This is his purpose. And as we are going along this journey, God begins to unfold things. New things. Things maybe we never thought of. He's beginning to unfold and beginning to put in our hearts. And, and we just keep going with this. Amen. That's the way God works. So, we're going to begin now on how to recognize the plan and purpose of God for our life. How do we discover the plan and purpose of God? There are nine guideposts that we want to talk about. We just list them out here on page 12. Recognize the general teaching and instruction of God's word. Recognize the seeds in your life. Recognize the stirring within. Recognize the grace of God given to you. Recognize the leading of God's spirit. Recognize the circumstances. Recognize godly counsel and wisdom. Recognize times and seasons. Recognize God's pattern of working in your life. We will study and examine each one of them over the next several weeks. And as we go through it, I want you to take it and personalize it and begin to check your own life and say, Okay, let me put all this together. What do I, what do I discern as God's plan and purpose for my life? The first thing, the very foundational guidepost or 
uh, indicator of what God wants us to do in any given season of our life is this. We must recognize the general teaching and instruction of God's word. God can never lead us or God will never lead us contrary to his written word. Amen. It's very basic, very foundational. He will never lead us in a way that contradicts his written scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable, is useful for teaching. It's useful for reproof, for giving proof, for verification, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all of the scripture is God-breathed, is given by inspiration of God, and it's useful to instruct us in the way of righteousness. God will instruct us. How? Through His Word. In the way of righteousness. The way He wants us to go. So God instructs us through His Word. So that's a starting point. We've got to start with the Word of God. Now, Romans 12 and verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, or so that you may. So what must I do? I must renew my mind so that I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So several things to learn here. The word prove comes from the Greek word which means to test. And it's used often in testing of metal through fire and so on. It means to explore, investigate, examine. So God tells me I must prove, I must examine, I must test out what is good, acceptable and perfect. Amen. So I have a part to play in understanding what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I must prove it. I must examine it. But what do I need to be able to prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect? I need a... What does it say? I need a renewed mind. So a renewed mind is necessary for me to be able to prove or to test or examine and determine what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I need a renewed mind. What is a renewed mind? A renewed mind is a mind that has learned to take on the higher ways and thoughts of God. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 11. God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So a renewed mind is a mind that has learned to take on the higher ways and thoughts of God. And I need to have a renewed mind in order to accurately prove or examine or determine what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do we all understand it? Yes or no? That's what I need. I need a renewed mind. The other thing that I want to point out is this, that this verse does not teach us that there are three categories of God's will. Now you may have heard it preached sometimes. Oh, there are three classifications of the will of God. One is the good will of God, one is the acceptable will of God, and one is the perfect will of God. That's not what Paul is writing. He's just using three adjectives. Good, acceptable, perfect. 
good. And if you look up the Greek there, good simply means whatever is excellent, upright, honorable. Acceptable is whatever is fully agreeable to God. And perfect is whatever is without flaw. Anything that is good, acceptable, and perfect is the will of God. Amen? Anything that's good, acceptable, and perfect is the will of God. So a renewed mind is able to quickly test and analyze and prove and discern if something is good, acceptable, and perfect. Therefore, it is the will of God. I need a renewed mind. How do I get there? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10. That same word is used. It, now it's translated, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Ephesians 5.10. Finding out, the same Greek word, proving, testing what is acceptable to the Lord. See, as a believer, your responsibility is to prove. It is to test. It is to find out what is acceptable to God. We have to do that. We have to make an effort. Find out what is acceptable to God. What is good? What's acceptable? What's perfect? According to the will of God. Hebrews 5.14 tells us how that happens. It says, but solid food. Talking about the word of God. Not about the biryani. Amen? <laughs> solid food. Belongs to those who are of full age. Those who are mature. That is, those who by reason of use, or constant use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, you and I can come to a place where our senses, the soulless man, will be trained to discern, prove, examine, analyze What's good and evil? How do I get to that place? I must constantly be using the word, the solid word of God. And through the constant use of that word, I can have my senses trained to discern good and evil. Amen. So that's why it's so important for us to be involved in the solid food of God's word. Amen? That's why we don't serve milk. Just okay. We want you, we want all of us to be in the solid food of God's word because that is what is going to help train your senses to be able to discern good and evil. But we can all come to a place through the constant use of the word of God where our senses have been trained to know what's right, what's wrong. This is right, this is wrong. I know it. This is right, this is wrong. My senses have been trained. We've been trained to discern good and evil by through constant use of the word of God. Amen. So the challenge there for all of, for all of us is this. Man, get into the word. Tell a neighbor, get into the word. Let the word get into you. You know, constantly be using the word of God. Chewing on it. I mean, you don't eat biryani once in a lifetime. You have it on Sunday and some of us can eat it on Monday. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Sunday and again on Sunday. And it goes on. 
Amen? Through constant use. You're constantly using the word, being in the word, studying the word, meditating the word, applying the word, living the word. And what happens? Your senses get trained to know what's good, what's evil, what's good, what's evil. So at any point in time, you're able to quickly prove what is good, acceptable, what is good, acceptable and perfect in the eyes of God. Because you've been in the word. Amen. So let's talk about some practical examples we close. The first sign, first thing to understand the will of God is to recognize the general teaching and instruction of God's word. Examples concerning marriage. Well, one of our signposts later later on is recognize times and seasons. So if you're in the 10th standard, when you apply that principle, immediately you'll find out uh, marriage is not something for this season of life. So it's ruled out. So we have to understand times and seasons. So we assume now that you're in a season of life where you're considering marriage. Are you ready for marriage? And then you want to find a person to marry. Or maybe you begin a little before that. You wonder, should I get married or not? For a few of us. The rest are, don't even have to bother with that question. <laughs> but the, for the benefit of those who might be wondering, should I get married or not? Genesis 2.24 by default, it's God's will for every man, woman to be married. Unless God specifically tells you, thou shalt not be. So it is safe to assume that God wants you to be married. Unless he tells you. Because it's by default for the entire, for all, for all people. So now if you got past that first hurdle. And you're saying, okay, now I need to find somebody to get married too. And so here you are, you're, you, you sign up for your job, and the first day of your job, you meet Mr. Handsome. Or, you meet Miss Beautiful. And he or she knocks you off your feet. And every time you pass by that person, your heart skips a beat. Something in you begins to palpitate. Your knees begin to have fellowship. <laughs> And you're wondering, God, is this the person for my life? I never felt like this with anybody else. Maybe this is the person. So you fast and pray. More fasting than praying, I guess. But as you do that, each time you fast and pray, all you have is visions and dreams. Of being with that person. And so you assume. This is, this is the person. So finally you slip a little piece of paper to that person. Put it under the coffee cup and say. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> or you send an email, an SMS. Whatever. Please call me something. And uh, anyway, so you, you begin this, your, your, uh, you, you go, you break the ice, you go past all of that. So finally you say, okay, we're going to get married. Uh, 
let's do this one very important thing. Let's go meet pastor. <laughs> so with all fear and trembling, you come to meet your pastor. You're sweating. Your hands are all nervous. And anyway, you come there and say, Pastor, I, you know, I found this man of my life. I found this, this lady of my life. I never felt like this before. I'm sure I fasted, I prayed. I went to, you know, I talked, asked all my friends. They definitely said, yes, this is the person for me. Um, Pastor, what do you say? <laughs> and then the most dreaded question, the question you wished your pastor would never ask, comes out. Is he a believer? Or is... See a believer. And it's, that's the moment you get a revelation. I wish I should not have come here. <laughs> Your heart sinks. Your emotions are dry. You're looking for a cup of water. And he said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm not sure, but he's a really nice guy. Or she's a really good girl. And so then your pastor very, very, very reverently opens the Bible. <laughs> he turns to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and he says, read this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So, palpitation or no palpitation, <laughs> sweating or no sweating, I don't care if you're on cloud 9 or cloud 99. The word of God says you cannot be married to an unbeliever. Amen. Why? Because Amos 3.3 3 says two cannot walk together unless they are in agreement. Of all the things, being in spiritual harmony is so important. Amen. So, we must learn to make decisions based on the word of God. Concerning divorce. Dear sister Susie. Is anybody called Susie here? <laughs> I hope not. Dear sister Susie is a very, very prayer, prayerful woman. She's married to this nice gentleman. He's not so prayerful. But at least he comes to church once, once uh, on Sundays. Sister Susie attends all the revival meetings in town. And at one particular revival meeting, she saw this nice, young, handsome person, man leading worship. <laughs> she took a close look at his left hand. There was no ring on it. That was a sign to her that that's the man for her. So then she fasts and prays and angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Susie, you're the most beloved of God. Very prayerful. God has heard your prayer. He's in fact tired of you coming to him every Sunday or every day. And he says that that man who was leading worship there that day, he's the right man for your life. The person you're currently married to was an accident. So Sister Susie comes to her pastor. Says, Pastor, I fasted 92 days. 
I stormed the gates of heaven. Angel Gabriel came to me in a vision. On my 92nd day of my fast, I happened to attend this revival meeting. Where I saw a young man. I asked the Lord to give me a sign. And I saw his left hand. He wasn't wearing a ring. <laughs> and I believe he's the man for me. The man I'm currently married to is a mistake. The pastor reverently turns to Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16 and says, Sister Susie, I don't know which heaven you were in, which heaven you went to. I don't know, I don't know where the angel came from. But Malachi 2:16, God says, I hate divorce. Has your present, has your husband ever committed adultery? Sister Susie said, I wish he did. <laughs> But he's been too good to me. That's the problem. Has your husband ever left you? That's another problem. He never leaves me. Sister Susie, I appreciate your 92 day fast. I appreciate your visit from Angel Gabriel. But the word of God says he hates divorce. Not here. Not allowed. Amen. So, this is the word of God. God's plan and purpose is revealed to us here. God will never lead you in a way that contradicts His written word. Thinking, talk about unrighteous things. The pastor was praying in tongues. I was speeding on my bike. I passed by the city bank. I saw the door open. I saw them loading the money in. I just had an immediate revelation <laughs> that I just needed to go Take a knife and walk in there. <laughs> Get all the money and run away with it. And here, Pastor, I have brought the tithe here too. <laughs> the Bible says, let him who stole steal no longer. So I don't care if it's a big amount or a small amount. The fact is, let him who stole steal no longer. But pastor, I'm giving it for the church. Sorry. God will never lead you to commit sin for a good cause. Amen. The Bible says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. If you ever get a leading down a path of unrighteousness, you can be sure God's not in front of you. Amen. Because he always leads in paths of righteousness. It's only when you're walking down the path of righteousness can you say that the Lord is in front of you, that He's leading you. I just want to touch upon a little, one more thing before we close on choosing a career. It's not on your page, but I thought I'll just touch, about, touch on it. You know, nowadays, choosing a career is again a, a, a major decision that many young people have to make. Especially when it comes to certain industries where things are a little... Uh, difficult example would be the entertainment industry fashion design the advertising is it right for a Christian to be working in these industries is it right for a Christian for a believer to be involved in these industries now Jesus never said be a light in the nice places of the world and other places let them stay in darkness he said you are the light of the 
world. That includes entertainment. That includes fashion design. It includes advertising. So by all means, get in there. Make a lot of money. Bring the tithe to the church. Amen. <laughs> get in there. However, when you are in that industry, or when you're in fashion design, or when you're doing advertising or entertainment, it's important to still stand or still abide by the standards of the Word of God. Amen. So let's assume you're doing fashion design, you're a designer for women's clothes. It could be a man or woman, whoever, but you're designing women's clothes. And uh, what does the Word of God say? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 teaches us that a woman has to wear modest apparel that is virtuous and that professes godliness. Meaning, the clothing we wear must also be godly. It must profess godliness. It must be modest. It must be virtuous. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. So by all means, design women's clothing, but just make sure it's modest, virtuous, and professes godliness. Amen? God didn't say run out of that industry. Just have to abide by what the Word says. So, even in those decisions, when you choose a career, make sure that you abide within the, the framework of God's Word. What you do. Now, you know, we know that in almost every industry, there is um, sin. There, are, there is wrongdoing. There is corruption. I mean, you, you, can pro, you can hardly find any industry where there is no corruption, where there, people are not doing something that's not right. But you don't quit that industry just because there are unrighteous things going on. You stay there. You make a difference. The important thing is to stand and abide by what the Word of God says. Amen. So this morning, we just covered the very first, the very basic, very foundational uh, way, indicator that will help us recognize God's plan and purpose for, my, for our life. We begin with the Word of God. If the Word, God, word of God allows it, then that you can... Take, go forward now to examine and see if that particular thing is part of God's plan or purpose for your life. It is, if it is disallowed by the word of God, then you can be sure that it is not part of God's plan and purpose for your life. Amen? Remember, God has a purpose for your life. He's got places for you to go. He's got people He wants you to meet. He's got lives He wants you to touch. And He's got things He wants you to do. You are not an accident waiting to happen. You're God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. So catch God's dream for your life. There is no higher purpose, no better satisfaction, no greater adventure than to live to fulfill His plan for your life. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. I'm going to take a few moments just to pray. I want you to take a few moments just to pray this morning before we dismiss. And just ask yourself, are there any decisions I'm about to make? But I need to know what the Word of God says. Other plans and purposes that I'm trying to pursue. 
where I really need to find out what does the Word of God say about this. Maybe you heard this morning and something from what you heard this morning gave you an understanding of what God's Word would say. And if you need to make a change, then as you're standing here, go ahead, make that change. Just talk to the Lord and say, Okay, God, I understand. This is what you require of me. I will align myself to your word because I want to choose your plan and purpose for my life. Just go ahead and pray. Before we close this morning, if there's anybody here who is, maybe this is the first time for you in a church, in a congregation, and maybe you don't know the God who made you. You're not sure that you are a child of God. You're not sure if your sins have been forgiven. You're not sure if your name is written in heaven. You're not sure that if you were to die today, heaven would be your home. If there's anyone like that here this morning, <clears throat> I want to give you this opportunity to make a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. The Bible says whoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. If you will make a choice to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will forgive your sins. He will make you a child of God. The rest of your life. So in your own heart just pray and say Jesus. I choose to believe in you this morning. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to make me a child of God. I ask you to forgive my sins. And help me to follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this time in your presence. And I pray, Father, that wisdom and spiritual understanding will be imparted into our hearts and lives, that we may be able to discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect to your We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.